Hey, welcome to episode 98 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how the best light is the light peeking through the doorway. Hi, and I'm Kurt, and I'm going to talk about why the motive behind your encouragement makes all the difference in your world. Mm, all that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. being here yeah i appreciate you uh taking the time great message this weekend um fun to um continue on in this i think it's been so cool for our church as we've been digging into the rooted rhythms and really focusing on what it looks like to be the church to live out these church kind of um, things that we do as a community but then also to be in this series at the same time it's been a blast to get to like man i i want to lean in to this idea of encouragement or praying for each other like just mm-hmm. week over week it shows the i feel like it's been an encouraging series but but in the way that it is showing the weak spots for us as a community where it's yeah. like i want to lean in there's an intentionality to the one another's. I think yeah. when you get into them more and you read them like, oh, maybe that's not that big a deal. But then when you dig, you're like, there's a reason why God highlighted those. Yeah. And I think that's been fun in this series to watch some of those reasons come to the surface. Yeah. And that is what's so, that's what is so unique about them is nobody just stumbles into these one another's. You put in a little bit of work or yeah. a little bit of thought to mm-hmm. say, no, this is important and we got to lean in here. Mm-hmm. And this idea of encourage one another, mm-hmm. um, man, like what a, what a cool, um, probably something we don't talk about enough just as Christians, mm-hmm. this idea of being encouraging other than, you know, as you broadened it beyond the kind of pat on the back, like, Hey, yeah. great job, you know? Um, but I loved the, you know, four different kind of breakdowns that you gave of what that would look like in a given season between comforting somebody or cheering them on, challenging them or counseling them. And, uh, I'm sure many people are walking away from that. Like, man, if I am, if I'm in that role and I'm trying to be encouraging to somebody, how do I lean in and yeah. figure out which one of those routes to take? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. I, it's so challenging because I feel like the gift of encouragement is in the Bible too. Yeah. So I think there's some people who supernaturally, by the Spirit of God's gifting in their life, actually probably do all four of these well. Mm. And if that's you, if that's anyone out there watching, if that's you. I think it's great. I just don't think that's me. I want to be your friend. <laughs> I, don't, I, I like you. I yeah. want to hang out. But that's what's interesting because I think naturally they might get all four of those and do them well in every environment, and they do it in a way that is helpful to the person they're engaging with mm. all the time because that's that spirit-empowered encouragement for the rest of us who maybe don't have that kind of supernatural gifting toward it. But we want to embody but it. But we want to embody it. Then I just look at that list and say, how do I, where do I do well mm. and maybe where am I needing to grow? And so I look at my own life and I look at that and I'm like, I think I do well on cheering on and I think I do well on challenging and counsel. I look at that comfort when someone's going through a hard time, it's sometimes difficult to get there. Mm. And I think part of this is that empathy, compassion gift yeah, maybe not spiritual gift, but that internal drive to say I can care for others, and I think sometimes just personality based. Yeah, maybe how you were shaped in your influences of your life. Some of that's too. Men, I think, have a hard time yeah. with that. Like I, they it, just want to fix it. You yeah, know? and we're fixers, and and so I look at that going. I there are times where I have to make sure when there is a wounded, hurt, grieving, that my response is comfort because it's easy to default to one of the other three that maybe I'm a little stronger at, and it's definitely more used. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea to say, man, where am I weak and what are the things that I, I don't have great strength in and how can I lean into some of that? Because 
those are going to be the ones where it's natural for us when the opportunity is there, we're just going to jump to those, right? If it's natural for you to see somebody succeed and say, man, great job. Like you're going to do that. But then to a fault, if somebody's grieving, you're going to try to force that in there somehow and cheer them up. And it's like, that is not the time for that. Right. And so I think that's such an interesting um, thing. One thing that I think you and I would know well is difficult when it comes to encouragement is not only on the giving side of it, but receiving it. This is something I felt like I learned really early on um, that I was bad at, at least um, really early on in ministry is you have that weird thing when you preach where uh, you you tell yourself in your head, I, I'm not doing this for anybody else. I don't need to hear anything from anybody. I just want to do this as unto the Lord. I want to do it faithfully to him. I want him to think I did a good job. But then after you finish, you're like, man, I hope somebody comes and says that I did a good job. <laughs> I hope that somebody was impacted by it because right. you just want to see a little bit of the, you, you hope that there's fruit there, that it was encouraging to somebody or it built them up or challenged them in an area. Um, so you get those people who come up and say, oh man, great message. Or maybe they're even more specific. And for me, at least, there was this, I know the holy thing to do in my head that, the, oh, praise God, you know, and deflect it and just kind of try to move on, mm-hmm. even though I'm like really thankful that they said that, right. but it's like, oh, no, 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 like, praise God, like, I'm glad he did that, and I'm going to step away mm-hmm. and try to deflect all of that so that I don't seem prideful. Um, but in that, I'm really shutting down anything in them that is really built for this. Right. And then I think that's only in the, you know, great job kind of zone of encouragement. I think about, man, how often do people, when they're grieving, push people away? Yeah, they isolate. They isolate. Like, you just go through each one of those. Obviously, with challenge, a lot of people are not open. Most of us are not receptive to that constructive criticism, and we tend to be defensive right Right. away. And so it doesn't really matter which angle of encouragement Mm. you're looking at. We're pretty bad at receiving encouragement. And so how would you say as this kind of push into, man, what does it look like to become people of encouragement? Do you have any thoughts on how do we receive it well too? That's so hard. It was interesting after the, in the, in the message I mentioned about Rooted, that in Rooted there's this moment of affirmation. And yeah. for some people it was well received and others feel really awkward. After one of the services, I talked to a couple ladies in the lobby uh, in the Victorville campus, we're just talking about that, and they were just saying how hard it was in their rooted experience to do that. Like they just felt like this was almost wrong. Mm. And I agree, it feels that way when you're not. It, it just you, you're thinking it's maybe not appropriate. Maybe that's not a humble thing to do. And so I think on the positive side, when when someone's bringing encouragement to you, I, you know, to, to put yourself in their shoes, because more than likely you're. I, I, I'll put it this way. I think a lot of people that are our encouragers don't like to be encouraged Yeah. because it's a gift. They want to give. I just want yeah. to give encouragement. It's what I do. I have the gift. And yet that other side is so important to keep us going so that we have the spiritual stamina to go back and encourage people again. Yeah. I think we have to get built up so that we can then give out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that. On the other side, man, receiving the challenge, um, it's hard. Yeah. No one likes that. And I think we view that as maybe I'm overstepping the line. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not the right person. I'm not holy. So how dare me tell you an area in your life? Mm. And so I think there's some issues of, of owning what our responsibility before God is Mm. 
And then the motivation for why. I mm. think that's the big one, I think, that helps me figure out what, what's happening. Because if someone's coming to me with this challenge about my life, or maybe I'm not living the way I should, where's their motive coming from? Are they mm. trying to be helpful or are they hurtful? Yeah. And I think that's part of that wisdom to discern the source of that. Yeah. Because we live in a world where you can get shut down. And, Everybody's and, got a and, criticism. And, and a criticism, an opinion, either belittling you, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. If it's coming from the people that love you most, then you probably need to listen the best. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so interesting how um, you know we many people do have that heart to encourage other people, but like you're saying, there's that breakdown in receiving it because I think there's almost a little bit of pride that can be there in encouraging other people. Like, man, let me let me build you up. Like, I, I want to encourage you because I am, in some ways, when you're offering encouragement, though you might not even intend it, it is like, I'm, I'm in the stronger position. And so let me kind of help you and affirm you. But to receive is such a humble thing, yeah, whether it be, absolutely. hey, I think you're screwing up in this area, or it's, man, great job at this. I've, one of the things that has been stretching for me is I have really tried to lean in in those spaces where if somebody comes up after a message or there's something that I do that somebody's encouraging of, I try to pause as best I can and take the posture of a receiver to say, man, what you're doing right now, I needed that. Like, and I'm not trying to say, man, props to me, I did a great job, but man, thank you. I, right. I really needed that encouragement and that has built me up. And that feels so weird to say at first, but it's like, man, can you, anybody think about a time where you went to go say, maybe you were a kid at camp or something and you went mm -hmm. to go say to a speaker, man, that was so good. And they brushed you off. And that was like heartbreaking for you. Cause you're like, God like, did something moment, in my yeah. life. And I just wanted to let you know, like that was meaningful to me. And now I feel weird that I even brought it up. I'm in my head. Should I have brought it up? Was that awkward? Was that weird? But I mean, man, to be a person who says, Thank you. Like yeah. I, I needed that and I, I'm receiving that and I'm built up off of it. I think we're leaning in and we're fostering that gift in people, even as we become good receivers to mm -hmm. say that was a valuable thing. And I would think that that person would be all the more likely to then go and encourage. Yeah. And then how much more with challenge? If somebody challenged you and yep. you said, I need that feedback. Like I really appreciate it. Again, putting it in context. Are right. they for me or are they against me? But man, I really needed that. Like I, that was a blind spot for me. And would you hold me accountable? Like that yeah. would put somebody on their butt, you know, they'd Absolutely. be like, what the heck is this? What just happened? And it's interesting because when you were mentioning before, Jackson, I love that because there's probably a fine line for some people between encouragement and flattery. Mm. And flattery is rejected in the Bible as a very bad thing. Yeah. But like, why is why is someone saying, man, Jackson, you really ministered to me again? It's that you can't judge their motives, but you have to make sure even as you receive it or as you give it. Yeah, I receive it not as flattery, because even I think like this weekend I was talking about, we're cheering them on to recognize their identity, their their walk, their who they are in Christ. Mm. And so I think that's the other side is if the encouragement man, that message was great. I think God has called you, Jackson, to be a teacher of the word and you really ministered to me. That's so consistent with your identity in Christ and your calling to be serving him. Yeah. You know, if it was just, I thought that was funny and it was so, you know, I just thought you're hilarious. Yeah. That may be true. Yeah. Because you're super funny and hilarious. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for accepting Flattery. that. <laughs> but that's that, that's that point where yeah. you're like, 
well, hold it now. What's the purpose behind the encouragement? Yeah. Because it should be encouraging, at least the biblical side of encouragement is you are living in this light. You look like Jesus Christ. You're walking in the light. And I see that. Yeah. I see that you are looking more like Jesus Christ. And when those kind of encouraging words come, it's like, man, that's really helpful because sometimes we can't see ourselves because there's hard days and it's difficult moments. Yeah. And we don't always have that that sense of God's with me in this thing. We feel alone at times. And so that really, I think, bolsters us. Yeah. And, and I it mean, can in the other way, too. If it's been a challenge, it can yeah. still bolster us. Yeah. And how many times have you been at, you know, what you feel like your most unholy place mm-hmm. where somebody comes in and affirms those things in you and calls out those things that you're becoming? And it's like we all have those moments that that's happened. And did we miss the opportunity to say, thank you? Like, I... I'm humble enough to say I needed that. Like I was yeah. in a weak position and I really did. Like I feel built up because of that and my my spirit is encouraged. Like that's a that's such a cool rhythm of mm-hmm. being if we could be people that give and receive a little bit better. Where I think we you know, some people like you said very gifted to give, mm-hmm. but I think categorically we're all just like awkward receivers, you know, <laughs> when yeah. it comes to that. And so it's like if we can just be like man, I, I needed that. I think we're going to foster a more encouraging environment mm-hmm. in our church settings when we Absolutely. do life with believers, because it's going to continue to affirm the value of that beyond just, you know, kind of brushing it off and moving on. Yeah, absolutely. And what I thought was interesting in this passage that you're in, in, in first Thessalonians is the connection. And like you said, throughout, not just this passage, but all throughout scripture, the connection to the the day of the Lord and encouragement. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I don't know where people would be at when they think about the day of the Lord, when they think about um, things like that, even end times, Christ's return. Mm-hmm. I think for many people, that would fall under the bucket of confusing or maybe even frightening. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I cracked Revelation open one time and I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm never going back. And very few of us would be like, oh, yeah, that's encouraging. So what? how do we come to a place where we are encouraged by that reality and not confused or frightened? Yeah, I think the confused is a challenging one. So I'll get to the second one second. The confused is challenging because there's so much out in the media, so many things you can read of conflicting views. It's kind of a pop culture it's a theology. Pop culture thing. And we've seen movies back in the 80s and 90s and 2000s of yeah. being left behind and yeah. things like that of what is that actually, is that true? Is that happening that way? Because the book of Revelation is a challenging book to understand. How big of a role will Nick Cage play in right. the end yeah, times? Right, he's huge. Yeah. yeah, all those things. You know, Kirk Cameron is there. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, we, we have all those stories that, in some are great and some are confusing, but no matter what, it's I think that's the harder one to control. I think the encouraging side of it is rooted in the fact that if you belong to Jesus, you may not know all the times. You may not know all the factors of his return. But if you belong to Jesus, you know it's a good day. Mm. And that's the faith that we have to have. That's why I think in the text, you know, he talks about putting on the, the breastplate of faith and love. There's this side where if we're really in Christ, this is what we need to be wearing because we're going to get attacked in the world and you're going to seem like this is going crazy here. Yeah. But our, our life is rooted. It's, it's grounded in Christ. Therefore, wherever he is, we're going to go. Yeah. And so I think that's the, the hope and the encouragement of of that whole process of the day of the Lord is that um, there's a day coming where everything's going to be made right. Yeah. 
and it's going to be made right in God's eyes. Yeah. And, and not what we would think, because there might be a little vengeance that we might want to yeah. have, a little payback for yep. people, or I'm going to get super wealthy sometime because I can get what I get coming. No, God's going to do what's right in his eyes. Yeah. And that's why faith is important, because we have to believe that he's best. Yeah. And his plan is the best plan. And so whatever he decides is the right way for the day of the Lord to come. And however he decides that looks like when, where, how it happens, I can rest in that. Yeah. And I, you know, when you boil the message of Revelation down, no orthodox Christian is going to push back on the fact that it highlights that God is the Lord of history and that Jesus is coming back. Mm -hmm. Like that should be encouraging to us. Like he is overseeing the totality of human history and he is coming back for us. Like all we can get into all of the gray area then within all of that, but like that is such a foundation of encouragement for us. Mm -hmm. And man, what a, it makes sense why persecuted people have held on to that hope so much more so mm -hmm. than, you know, in America, it's just like, well, that's kind of uncomfortable and weird. And, uh, or just a side perk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'd rather just get back to my busy calendar and all the things that I've got going on. And it's mm -hmm. like, man, we miss out on a lot in not being encouraged by that and attentive to it appropriately. Like I liked the, you know, categories of people who are awake and people who are asleep and people who are nodding off in relation to this return. Mm -hmm. um, how do we, how do we catch ourselves? Yeah. If we're in one of those areas, like obviously we'd want to be awake, but if we're asleep or we're nodding off, how do we catch that? Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's challenging because you have to hear from others. Mm. I'm not sure we can look in the mirror and see it in ourselves sometimes. I do think the Holy Spirit in his convicting work can draw that out in us where you're going through life and the spirit just says, Kurt, you're, you're nodding off here. Wake up. Mm. I think the spirit of God does that, but we have to be attentive to his words in our heart. And I think that's when you get too far down the road, you're almost like in a coma where you're not hearing him and you're not really engaging when he's prodding you. Mm. And that's why I think the encouraging challenge comes in where someone has to kind of wake you up and saying, are you still okay? Mm. You know, are you still following Jesus? Because I don't think we get it unless there's an outside intervention. And I think it comes through the Holy Spirit first, but then also through the believers around a person. Yeah. And if someone isn't a believer, then we know they're not awake. Mm. They're asleep. That's what the scripture says. Yeah. And I think even that's interesting because I think at times in that world around us, our relational world that doesn't know Christ yet, the Bible says that he awakens hearts to start to understand the gospel. Yeah. And so I think there's people who are asleep who you might see in your 8 to 15 in your life to say, hey, there's something happening here. They're asking questions. Mm. There's a stirring. There's that's a happening. stirring and, and they're they're kind of waking up, yeah. you know, out of a nap or something. And you're like, I think this is an opportunity for me now to encourage them in a new way. Yeah. With the hope that comes from the gospel of Christ. Yeah. Because God's doing something in there to draw them to himself and, to, and our chances to speak into that. Yeah. Yeah, that's such an interesting, um, you know, that that going, that being prompted from death to life to be able to ask, answer this question, do I believe, do I respond? That's such an interesting thing. It, it puts such a weird emphasis for us in the way that we're missional with other people, where it's almost like you kind of have to understand that if I'm walking with somebody who isn't a believer and they're in my oikos and 
they're asleep. I Man, I could be as loud and as in their face as I want to be. I could be as controversial as I like. I could try to get their attention all these ways. I am incapable of waking them up. Right. Like we have to live in that tension in the mission that's before us. I can't wake other people up. Even the people, I think this hits really to home for people who have people they really love who are lost, whether it be their kids or family members Mm -hmm. or a spouse. And often our response can be to kind of freak out and try to get their Mm -hmm. attention in that. And I have to, I have to settle in this spot. That's like, I cannot wake them up, but man, I can be, I can earn influence with them now so that when that stirring does happen, I'm the kind of person that they want to talk to. And that's what I think is so interesting. You're, 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 you're in the right place. Yeah. That's what I think is so interesting about the long game of Oikos. Like it has never been a quick thing. It's never been a quick approach to winning people to Christ. We're not whipping people up into emotional frenzies. Mm -mm. It's like, I am just going to slowly earn chips with you over the course of our relationship, trusting that when God stirs something in you, I'll be the kind of person that you want to talk to if I have earned those chips with you. And so I'm just going to kind of try to garner and steward this influence that I have with you so that when that time comes, whenever it may be, I'm ready. Yeah, and not in some metaphysical kind of strange way, but when God draws people, it's almost like he draws them to the light. Yeah. They begin to be see things clearer. There's illumination there. And as I mentioned on the weekend, you know, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He is this, the ultimate illuminator. Yeah. But then in your role, we are to be children of the light. We walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another. There's that side where when someone sees you as light and they have been illuminated at some level through the Spirit of God, they're going to be drawn to more light. Yeah. Like, that person might help me make sense of what this is. Yeah. So I love the link of how as believers in Jesus Christ, if we're in him, we are lights in our lost world they're looking for light because they're in darkness. Yeah. And when they get a little bit of that light through God's supernatural drawing and calling, man, what a cool thing to be ready for that. Yeah. And to say, oh, I know. And they look at you, Jackson, you know, you know he's got light. He's, he's walks. I can sense something's unique about him. Yeah. And then you're there to be encouraging with the, the rest of the word they probably don't know yet. Yeah. And I think that's what can unleash us to such a compassionate witness to people hmm. um, because you have... You know, I think some believers will see that idea of light and they'll be like, great, like the floodlight on the back of the policeman's car that's like (laughs) coming into your window. Like that's the light I'm going to be to my world. And everybody's freaked out and like anxious around these people. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just the turn or burn kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. approach. And then you've got the light that's like when you're a kid and you like to have the door cracked and the light comes into your bedroom. And it's that light that's comforting comforting it's gentle and it's like man i feel safe when i'm around this and i want more of it and that is i think such the example of jesus's light breaking into the darkness Mm -hmm. and his followers as well and so it's that good thing for us of man if i have a if i really have confidence that the spirit is going to convict the world of sin of their need for him if i have this high view of what even then the spirit is doing and prompting people bringing them back from the dead to be able to respond, right. then it frees me up to just be that comfortable, gentle light in their life that says, mm-hmm. this is what it's like to follow God. And I love it. And I, it's done nothing but good things for me. And I think the more that I live that out in front of you, the more compelling it's going to be. I totally agree. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is 
you and I have never saved anyone. Mm. No one's going to heaven because I saved them. Now, you and I might be leveraged in people's lives to point them to the Savior, but it's a good humbling reminder yeah. that that work happens so often without us even knowing it. And I'm sure there's people watching this who have family members or friends that are seemingly far away from God. And I know there's others who have had that same experience and watch people come back to God and they're like, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I thought there was no hope for that person. Yeah. And we have I always have the list of names like, how in the world yeah. did that guy how or did that this happen? gal get saved? Because they were just bad. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that God reaches into hearts where no human could do any of that. Yeah. And then illuminates their heart to see the light of the gospel in the face of Christ. Yeah. And then we can be that voice you know, we're bringing salvation to them through the words we share so that they can make a decision about their yeah. Savior. And that's what's so cool about these one another's is in many ways we do them, we do a lot of them by faith mm. in that, man, if, if by faith we can live out these things that seem really like, yeah, that'd be cool, but it doesn't feel like make or break necessarily. Right. But if we just are faithful to these things in the way that we interact with each other, it is such a light and such a witness to those people that are on the fringes and there's something stirring in them. And then they see this group of people at High Desert Church that love each other and pray for each other and they encourage each other. And it's like, what the heck is that? Because well, there's nothing else like that. It's countercultural. Yeah. I think when Jesus obviously was living in Israel, the community was built around a communal model. Yeah. So this one another like totally made sense for them way yeah. more than it does for an individualistic society like the United States. We are islands. We are individuals. This idea of talking to one another about your shortcomings or about what your fears are or how you can be praying for me, it's challenging because that's yeah. just not the society most of our people were raised in. So when someone sees this for the first time, they're probably like, Man, those people are weird. What is happening? They're talking about things. They seem to love each other and care for each other. But this is unique. Yeah. And this is really different. Yeah. And so I do think there's that side where it's attractively different. Yeah. I mean, back church history, shocker. But back in the <laughs> Roman era, that's that's what stuck out for Christians is that they were treating people differently. Mm. In the Roman era where you had this self-focus, self-determination, this church of believers, this little straggling beginning of this church just starting, you know, they're going out to the riverside to save babies that were abandoned mm. because the parents didn't want them and they're raising them on their own because life is sacred. Yeah. And in one little moment, the light gets stronger and people are like, those people are different. Yeah. And even this issue of communion where we celebrate this, the life of Christ, there's something unique in that moment that people are, that's different. Yeah. And this bond that we have with the one another. I do think it's it's very attractive once someone can get their heart around it. Yeah, probably pretty weird when you're just absolutely dead and asleep. It's like I, those people what are the weird heck? to me. But the moment that there's that stirring and you start looking at things a little differently, you see what like, you've been missing your whole life. Yeah, what is that? Like I want more of that. So I just think that's such an interesting thing for us as a community where it's like we could probably just you know lock arms and kind of grind it out until Jesus comes back mm -hmm. or we die one by one. Like we're yeah. just going to, you know, hold on. But it's like, man, if we live in this vital and um, thriving community with one another, where we lean into these rhythms, it, it's actually doing something missional. It's not just about like, mm -hmm. I do think God has a greater dream for us as a, as a community than we often settle for. We settle for something so much less. Yeah. And he's got this just big idea of mm -hmm. what we could be as his body. But then 
beyond just how much we could enjoy doing life together, there's something really missional about once people begin to see that, it just does something in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. man, I don't want to miss that. No, because that's where the joy's at. Yeah. That's where that fun and the joy of life, where even though it's hard, you're making a, an impact Yeah. or receiving an impact. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, thank you for taking the time. It's been fun to unpack some of this together. Love it. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for this episode here on Tangible Takeaways, and uh, we hope it was beneficial to you. As always, don't forget to leave a comment. Let Pastor Kurt know something you're taking away from this message this weekend. And uh, don't forget to like the video and subscribe so that you get future videos as well. That's all we have for this week. Episode 100 is coming up real soon, uh, but next week we'll be back with episode 99. We'll catch you guys next week.